So is he real? Who? The boogeyman. I read you quoted. You don't believe in the boogeyman? I believe in Michael Myers, a deranged serial killer, but the boogeyman, no. Well, you should. Welcome, creeps, to another episode of Brain Stew. Brain Stew! I'm Justin. And I am Jeremy. And I'd like to welcome you to our first installment in our countdown to Halloween Kills. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, baby. I thought, literally, dude, I mean, I told you the story, Jeremy. But I was in the shower the other day and... Ooh. I was like... Lathering up with literally, I'm not even joking, pumpkin spice body lotion. I didn't even like, know that was lather, a thing. Like body wash shit that my wife bought at Bath and Body Works. And I'm like, what better way to usher in our favorite season in anticipation for the newest Halloween movie than a series on this show? Dare I say and speak for you, is this not both of our most anticipated movie for the rest of the year? Oh, for sure. This is... Definitely my most anticipated film of the year, period. All, all year long. Bro, we've been waiting fucking how many years yeah. for this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when they announced last year that it was it was being pushed, I mean, everybody kind of saw it coming, you know? So it, was, it wasn't a surprise. And the thing is, is that even though I really wanted to see the film as soon as possible because I love Halloween, that's my favorite horror movie franchise of all time. I want to see Michael Myers on the big screen. I didn't want to see him, you know, on any streaming platform or VOD. I got to see my guy on the big screen, man. So I'm just patient, and it's it's upon us, man. We're getting real close. That's exactly what I said. I actually saw my time hop the other day. That's exactly what I proclaimed on my Facebook. I'm totally okay with this because... Whatever's going to make things better for the movie, the outcome of the movie, the financial success of the franchise. And hey, it, it gets another year worth the wait for that movie. We know it's going to be great regardless. We're going to be talking about it in a review on this show as part of this series. But I have to say, I mean, this is kind of prefacing this whole discussion because Jeremy, to our normal Epic Film Guys listeners, they've heard about you throughout the years. They've heard Ooh. about you in terms of the stories, the Jamie Lee Curtis, which I'm sure we'll get into probably during the Kills episode and sure. such, but, um, you know, kind of let them into your world, man. Like, what does the Halloween franchise mean to you? What was your entryway to the series? Uh, I was super, super young. Uh, I caught it on TV, probably in the middle of the day, one day, and I just... Kind of like the first time I saw Elm Street, I only saw the tail end of it. I didn't know it was on TV. It was I was flipping through the channels, and it was towards the end of the movie. I remember it was it was right when Lori's friends start popping up dead. You know, she's in the room, and all of a sudden there's Linda. And I watched the rest of it, and and was completely captivated by Michael Myers that was you know going after this this young girl. And I've loved it ever since. Uh, highly sought it out after after seeing it when I was a kid. You know, my dad. Uh, I'll mention many times on the show. You know, going to the video store was was like a religious experience for me growing up. Like uh, I'm sure it is for for many listeners. So my dad would take me to the video store like once a week and and would let me rent videos. I wasn't allowed to tell my mom what he let me rent. And 
man, I, I burned through the Halloween franchise. You know, I'm sure we'll also discuss, you know, Halloween 3 throughout the Halloween season. But I, I do remember being, like, really confused over Halloween 3. I think everyone was, especially yeah. when you came to it at a young age. There was no way you weren't going to be. I mean, we weren't there, you know, opening weekend to really understand. And it, it, yeah, obviously, even, like, Roger Ebert, who reviewed the movie opening weekend, didn't understand that the guy that went into the hospital then went and lit himself on fire and blew up. Wasn't Michael Myers. He legit said in his review that that was Michael Myers. So audiences were confused. So it's, it's very fair to, to be confused by Halloween yeah, three. But I mean, I, I, I love the Halloween franchise so much. I, I watch all of the films every year. Frequently. The original Halloween is my favorite film of all time. It's, it's like soul food to me. If, if I'm having a bad day and I, and I need to pick me up, it's Halloween. If, if I'm sick and at home in bed, it it's something that I turn on that that makes me feel good, man. The the score to that movie, just the imagery, you know, just the color palette, the dialogue, the lines, everything, everything in that film just it's it soothes me. It's strange, you know. I have the score on on my phone, and I can't tell you how often I drive around just listening to specifically Lori's theme. It's it's one of my favorite pieces of, of film score ever created. It's it's absolutely beautiful and haunting and I love it, man. I love it. I've you know, I went to the Halloween forty years of terror celebration in, in Pasadena, California in two thousand and eighteen to be a part of it, man. I mean, what a time to be a Halloween fan. You know, it's the fortieth anniversary and we get, we're getting you know, we were on the cusp of getting Halloween twenty eighteen. You know, being there for that celebration was just absolutely incredible. I mean, you had so many key people from the franchise that were there. Um, we got to see a midnight screening of Halloween 2018. I think it was like two or three weeks before the movie actually came out. Uh, Malika Cod gave the introduction before the movie. So, I mean, that was that was really special. And uh, I didn't sleep. <laughs> Here's a funny story for you. I didn't sleep for almost three days when I went out there because I was so excited to be there, to be a part of it all, to experience it all that literally I, I slept on the plane on the way there. And then finally, when it was approaching like day three, I finally went to sleep. It was, I walked around on, you know, day two, like a freaking zombie, man. But it was, I, from it was my worth experiences, it. from my experiences going to places with you far away, I'm very familiar with the fact that you can run on zero sleep for quite a long time. So that's not surprising to me in the least that that's how you handled that situation. I was like extremely jealous as was every other Halloween fan on the planet that did not get to attend that, but you were actually a nice enough friend and you brought me back an autograph from that. Erwin Yablonz's autograph, you know, the man behind the whole concept of the movie Halloween setting it on Halloween and he was the producer and like without him engaging John Carpenter with that idea, with that script, uh, the movie would have never happened the way it was supposed to. 
He is the man who created Halloween. So much so that he has a book that you can purchase called The Man Who Created Halloween (laughs) by Erwin Yablons. I need this shit. I fucking need that. I don't own that. But I do have his autograph, which is great because I'm like, dude's old as fuck. Just going to say he ain't. He ain't no spring chicken over no, here. No, no. I would, I would literally, I'd pay good money. I swear to God, to just sit at a like dinner table with that guy. He loves talking about that movie. He loves it because he knows so. he knows how special it is, and he knows that he was such a key component to that thing being brought into existence. One hundred percent. So I mean, like, what man shouldn't be proud of that? Yeah, you know, but. Great, man. Great to hear that. Like I said, our listeners, the more and more that we do these brains to episodes, the more and more they're going to learn a lot more about the man behind Jeremy. (laughs) That's that's where we're going with this. But ladies and gentlemen, what we're doing tonight on our first entry into our countdown to Halloween kills is is a top 10 list of our favorite kills from the Halloween franchise. I literally had a frog in my throat there, dude. I, I I had I had I had Lacroix in my mouth. I was like, oh no. Last thing I want to do is cough out fucking candy corn all over the mic and be like, but yeah, that's what we're doing. Top ten kills from the Halloween franchise, and we're super excited to be here. It's going to be a blast. I want to let you guys know we're doing a special giveaway right now until Halloween Kills comes out. We are going to be giving away theatrical posters for Halloween kills. Now here's the catch. One out of five iTunes reviews we receive, one of you will receive a poster. You just have to make sure to message us with your iTunes label, your name and your review, and we'll put you in the mix for a poster. We've got a handful of theatrical posters official from the studio that we're going to be giving out. So One out of five. So if we get like 15 reviews, that means three people are going to get posters. We're going to make sure we're going to let this information out on social media. Jeremy, you're going to post that shit as well, right? Oh, for sure. And and the thing is, Justin, just so our our listeners know, this poster is a highly coveted poster right now that if you go on eBay at this very moment and you look for a Halloween Kills original theatrical poster, I'm not talking about a bootleg. I'm talking about a beautiful double-sided Halloween Kills poster, they're going for hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars because Halloween fans, they want them, and the studio has not released them for sale yet. The only way that they've been released is through promotion. When they, you know, they sent them to you because obviously with the Epic Film Guys podcast, you review movies, so as a, as a giveaway to you, they hooked you up. That is the only way that you can get these things unless you know someone at a theater that is gracious enough to gift you one so these are highly coveted listen i'm in the autograph world you know that you know all of my buddies are are autographers and collectors just like i am dude when i posted the picture of of me holding mine they were like what the fuck i want one of these posters how can i get one of these posters (laughs) and i'll tell you right now justin listen here brother the way that you get brother the way that you get one of these Halloween Kills posters, brother, is you gotta Ew. post a review on iTunes, brother. You gotta tell us what you think about Epic Film Guy's Brain Stew, baby. Yeah. Yeah, brother. That's the way it's gonna be. Like I said, one for every five, and we'll make sure to get those out to you as soon as we pick the winner. So be sure if you're going to leave a review, either shoot me 
or Jeremy a message or the Epic Film Guys, either on our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Be like, yo, this is my name. I left this review because they do take a few days to show up. Or like I said, Jeremy's probably going to post it to his personal page. But it's our way of giving back and also for you guys to give back to us. Show us some love. Tell us what you think about the Brain Stew segment. We're all about just getting that love out there for horror fans. And hey, giving you some swag while we're doing it. So that's the way it's going to be on our countdown to Halloween kills. But I don't think we want to wait any longer here, Jeremy. I think it's time to get into this thing here. We're going to take a quick promo break and hear from our sponsor, Evil Tea. And when we get back, we're going to be counting down our top 10 kills from the Halloween franchise. We'll be right back. The Brain Stew Podcast is fueled by our sponsor, Evil Tea. By the Evil Tea Company. Steeped in darkness, Evil Tea brings a sharp and spooky variety of tea flavors, featuring robust and creative blends for all those tea monsters out there. Use promo code BRAINSTEW for 15% off your first order. Check out their website at EvilTeaCompany.com to find the right blend for you. I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. The beautiful song that Laurie Strode sang before she realized a psychopathic killer, who would later be revealed in the sequel to be her brother, would change it all for her. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to Brain Stew, where we are doing our top 10 favorite kills from the Halloween franchise. My favorite franchise. So the way that we're going to do this is we're going to go from 10 being, you know, our least favorite of the 10 all the way to number one, our highly, highly loved favorite kill of the franchise. Number one. Number one, baby. Number one. You are number one. So, yeah, Justin, I'm going I'm to kick it off to you, man. Num- number 10. What is your number 10 in the Halloween okay. franchise? Oh, so I have to, again, preface this whole thing with this shit was hard, bro. Yeah. This shit was really hard. I mean, when I came up with the idea for us to do this, as always with any countdown, I'm always like, I got this. I know this shit by heart. I, it's all in my head. All these years of watching these movies over and over again. And when you sit down and actually put it on a list, you're like, no, that's not right. No, that needs to go there. So this was very difficult. And at the end of this, I definitely have some honorable mentions that I have to mention because a lot of motherfuckers be getting killed in the Halloween franchise. So I'm going to start off with my number 10, Octavia Daniels, Rob Zombies, H2, weapon of choice, a butcher knife. Of course. And this one had to be on here for the sheer absence of morals it portrays. I'm not a fan. Jeremy, you know, I'm not a fan of Zombies Halloween movies. I'm really, really not. I've proclaimed this a number of times on this show. But the fact that he had the balls to have Tyler Maine's behemoth of a man brutally stab Octavia Spencer in the back 10 times without pity deserves some points in the kill department. I mean, I remember being there opening night at a midnight screening for this one and being like, wow, if the rest of the movie is this good, maybe he's going to redeem himself. Spoiler alert. He didn't. Did not. But it's it's one of the only things I feel his movies sometimes got right was the kills and this is definitely by far one of the best ones so yes ladies and gentlemen this is justin 
giving love to something Rob Zombie did in a movie. So <laughs> you, that, you you know that I'm a defender of the Rob Zombie's Halloween movies, and I wasn't always a defender of of his movies, but um, or at least the Halloween movies. But I I grew to love them, man. Once I stopped comparing them to the original source material, John Carpenter Halloween films, I was able to go. You know what? This if if it wasn't Michael Myers, if it was, you know, another serial killer, you know, Tom Spencer, right, or whatever, you know, and that was doing these things and killing these, you know, these people, I think that it would maybe be a beloved thing that would have spawned far more than just two entries, um, but the fact that it's called Halloween, and that is Michael Myers, yeah, and kinda, that is... Kind of spoils it, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Because it's, it's impossible <laughs> to not compare the two, but... If, yeah, you can't divorce them. No, but if if you turn that switch off in your brain and you go, you know what, I'm going to watch this just as a straight-up slasher movie and see how I feel about it. They're fucking brutal slasher movies. That they're, let's, let's face it, there's nobody that's truly likable in a Rob Zombie movie anyways. So just go along for the ride and enjoy it for what it is. Uh, I, I appreciate them now. You know this. Yep. There, yep. That's a whole discussion that I'm sure will eventually come back up on this show, on this segment, for sure. Because I'll never... Listen, everyone out there knows that those films are... They divided fans when they came out. They're still divided. They still get talked about in the film Twitter world and within critics and just fans in general. So I'm sure we'll come back to that. It's Jeremy... No, but before we even move on, I I gotta say, it's like... It's... Name a fucking franchise, right? That had an installment that is so polarizing that... I mean, dude... The last Rob Zombie Halloween movie was 2009, was H2, right? Okay, so that's been a fucking, it's been over 10 years since that movie came out, and people still are so passionate about discussing it. So whether Rob Zombie knocked that out of the park for some fans, or whether, you know, Rob Zombie's name should never be spoken again because he fucking ruined Halloween, either way that you look at it, people are still talking about his... His films that came out over a fucking decade ago. Very I, true. I think that's fascinating. Like, I think that there's there's something truly fascinating about well, that. Well, that, that also engages a legacy regardless one way or the other. So, For sure. Yeah, so, I, I agree with that. So my my number 10. Um, okay. So like you said, man, this, this was really hard because Halloween, like I've stated a few times already, is my favorite franchise. So when I was forced to go, okay, well, what are your, what are my favorite kills? Some of them actually even surprised me and- when I was writing this list, like, oh shit, you know what? Yeah, this has to go on there, and I'm surprised that I'm writing this. So, for me, it was uh, the two journalists. The journalists, uh, we're, we're uh, investigative journalists. The podcasters. <laughs> um, hello, we're investigative journalists. I love the way that she fucking says that. Uh, Bitch, you're a fucking podcaster. <laughs> Stop much. pretending that. Pre- Stop pretending we're better than that. We're nothing. We're no journalists. We're just podcasters. I'll never forget on our review how Epic Film Guy Nick was like, man, they're not podcasters because of how far away that bitch put the mic from her mouth. <laughs> that shitty audio you're getting there. Yeah. Dude, I, this, so on, on number 10 on my list is, is Dana and Aaron from Halloween 2018, the investigative journalists that, uh, that traveled all the way to Haddonfield. <laughs> That traveled all the way to Haddonfield to uh, to cover the murders and legacy of Michael Myers. Forty years later, um, I I actually dude, they're two of my favorite characters in that entire movie. It, it's one of those things that I, I was bummed when both of those characters met their demise because they were fucking fascinating. And 
and they were they were fun to watch on screen and you know they they were not meant to live throughout the film because they uh after you know holding up Michael Myers mask in front of him and he's like screaming at Michael Myers it's such a funny funny scene to cut dude come on though who who would dare taunt Michael Myers like that really like dude you know that was such an entryway scene and like yo you're gonna get it I can't wait to see that guy die I just love that that's where they splice the title card is he's like screaming at Michael Myers to like look at his mask and then there's just like Halloween it's like oh okay you know this this is gonna be but man there what some great visuals in that first scene but the, the death scene in the bathroom. So they stop at a gas station. They've got Michael's mask in the trunk when Michael Myers comes upon the gas station. And it's like he fucking knew exactly where they were and somehow knew that the mask was in the trunk. But he shows up and in brutal fashion. I mean, that scene really harkens back to some Halloween H2O vibes in, in the bathroom. He, he walks in and he's, you know, kind of slowly opening up the stall doors before before he gets to uh, to Dana's stall, and he had already uh, killed a mechanic, so, you know, Michael holds his fucking bloody fist over the stall, and, you know, blood is dripping from his hands, and he drops all these fucking human teeth on the ground. Dude, oh, just... man, chilling. Some, some killer visuals, man, and, and quite an introduction into, you know, him, you know, escaping from the mental institution again and, and going on a murder spree, but, uh, man, he fucking... That was a brutal last scene, man. And I have to tell you, when when Aaron was getting it, you know, so, he, like, dude, he was just bashing Aaron's head into the wall. Like, I was like, oh, man. You know, I will say they never showed his body that he was dead. I mean, it's very possible he could have, you know, suffered he, some. He dead. Yeah. He dead, bro. He I dead. don't know, man. I was like, man, I, I hope that he, like, shows up because that kind of gives, that would almost give him, like, the Loomis arc, right? Like, now he's got a reason to try and hunt down Michael Myers because... They killed his girlfriend, his his podcast, or I'm sorry, his invest, investigative journalist partner. They're fucking podcasters. <laughs> but no, so. I mean, like, I, I actually agree. I'm, I'm going to make a spoiler here. It's not on my list. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy and I did not tell each other our lists before we did this discussion. So nope. just so you know, this is all a surprise. But when I saw this in theaters... I couldn't agree more. This is a great kill because he kills two people and it's the most realistic in the way that it's portrayed. It's vicious and mean spirited. It's definitely one of the realest kills of the entire movie for sure. Dude. And it doesn't matter how many times I watch this movie. Every time Dana's backing up and she hits her head on the porcelain toilet, the sound design on that alone makes me fucking almost want to grab my head and go, oh, God, like, you can almost feel it. Like, the, the sound was perfect on that. But uh, it was it was brutal, and it was, you know, a sign of, of things to come for the movie and this iteration of Michael Myers, and I, I thought it was fantastic. Perfectly said. My number nine, Sarah, Halloween H2O, Weapon of Choice, you hear this a lot on this episode. A butcher knife, but also a dumb waiter stabbed in the back four times, but not before getting her leg absolutely fucking mangled and crushed in a dumb waiter. You know, that was a thing back in the day where you used to like, if you're a rich, you're too lazy to go upstairs. Like, I'm just going to put this food in a dumb waiter. Um, those that know me know of my pure admiration and love of Halloween H2O, and I feel. This kill is probably the strongest by the hands of the shape within this movie. 
this chick is just hungry, dude. She's like, no sex games till I've eaten. Like, just just feed this girl and, and you know, you can have consensual sex. She's like, gonna happen. She's like, bitch, you know what I want. But she has to wait for her douchebag boyfriend, Charlie, to go get a corkscrew. Like, dude, if you knew your girlfriend was going to want to get boozed and fed, don't you think you would have gotten the corkscrew, like, earlier or something? Or got her a drink that you could just open it up yourself? Just saying. Uh, undeserving boyfriend. But not only does she have to wait for him to come back, um, she has to see his dead body stuffed in a dumbwaiter, get into the dumbwaiter, and then be stalked by the shape which is one of my favorite scenes of this entire movie. But again, maybe this wouldn't have happened if dude was actually prepared with that corkscrew. This is a classic stalk and slash Jeremy. The image of Michael looking up from the bottom of the dumbwaiter as it goes up, holding the knife and he's cutting the rope in which it lands full force on her leg. And we get this imagery of her mangled leg just hanging by a thread, which adds that gross out moment. And of course he comes up and she's dragging herself along and we get sk, 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 brutally. It's definitely one of my favorite moments. I love it. Of Chris Duran's The Shape in that movie. And then, of course, you know, not even part of the kill later on, it adds some amazing imagery when her dead corpse is literally hanging uh, in what looks like a, a closet Light, or lights. like a pantry or whatever, where the lights yeah. driven into her, her corpse. So um, one of my favorite moments of that movie one of the meanest moments of that movie, and I gotta throw H2O some love because it rules. It's it's my favorite sequel in the entire franchise. Like, like literally, part you, one. You you know you're one of the only people that are on the same level as me in terms of that movie. So it's, that's always a special feeling for me. I feel like H2O retained a lot of what made the original Halloween great, uh, and it's it certainly returned Michael Myers rather than just being the masked slasher that he had been for many sequels back to being the shape. Um, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I love that. Surprisingly, I don't, I don't have, I don't know if I should admit this, but I don't have anything H2O on this list, which is surprising because it is my favorite sequel. But man, like I said, when I was writing this list out, it was, it was, it was really difficult to narrow down 10. So number nine for me is going to be our fake Jamie Lloyd. And I say fake Jamie Lloyd because it was not portrayed by Daniel Harris. Another actress was brought in. Her name is J.C. Brandy. You know, they they threw Daniel Harris an offer to be in Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, and it was such a minuscule amount of money. Wasn't it just scale? It was scale. She said it was scale or something it, like that. Yeah, it was, it was laughable. And she's like, I literally starred in the last two Halloween movies, and you're offering me, like, the lowest amount of money like, ever. And so she was like, no, like, I just want this. And the studio was like, well, peace the fuck out. And they hired a chick that literally looks nothing like Daniel nothing. Harris. Nothing. Not a thing like her, except for maybe their the shape of their eyes or something. They have almond eyes, but that's probably the only... <laughs> uh, that's probably it. That's it. Dude, literally, they look nothing the same. And But even still, like, I really, I love, I love that scene so much. So it's in the very, very beginning of the movie, you know. Now, now you're talking theatrical cut, I assume. Yes, yes. So, so Jamie Lloyd is, is, you know, she's, she's got a baby now and it's, it's very much implied that it's incestual that Michael Myers had impregnated Ooh. her. Like it was, 
super, super weird. There's a lot of weird shit that happens in Halloween 6. Uh, we could do an entire podcast on on that one alone. Which we probably will. Yeah, we, we probably, probably will. will. We, it's, I mean, it's, Paul, Rudd's per, Paul Rudd's performance alone requires a whole commentary. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> Halloween 6 is fantastic. So, <laughs> we have Jamie Lloyd, fake Jamie Lloyd, that is being stalked by her uncle, Michael Myers. Uh, she goes into, like, this this barn house thing and he follows her in there and she steps on a twig and she's like, (gasps) and all of a sudden she turns around and Michael Myers is right there and he lifts her up into the air and slams her into some like farm equipment. But like, what the fuck even was that? Dude, I literally, okay. So leading up to this, this almost made my list. I'm not going to lie. It didn't, but this was always one of my favorite kills as a kid and I tried to figure out what the fuck is that thing? I don't know because it's got like blades that stick out. I think it might be one of those things that cuts like the corn or something, but it looks way more violent than that. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's literally just a death machine. Like some farmer was like, well, I, I need to get me a machine that <laughs> is solely designed for death and destruction. Like, I, I don't know. Gotta what the shred f- some guts in this bitch. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that machine is, but he picks her up and, and, slams her body and like onto this farm equipment that has these spikes then these spikes go through her stomach and it only goes halfway through her body and so she's like got blood coming out of her mouth and she reaches for Michael in like a sympathetic like help me kind of thing and Michael walks over almost like like he is sympathetic and then he just slams her body down to where she's now fully thrust on the blades of this thing and she tells him you're never gonna have the baby you're never gonna have the baby and then she, he turns the fucking machine on. Like, dude, absolutely brutal. And I just, I remember as a kid watching this, I, I rented this one a lot. Just thinking like, holy, like I remember seeing that scene for the first time. Uh, I was at a buddy's house and just thinking like, holy shit. Like, it's just such a violent, violent kill. I mean, Halloween 6 is is way more violent than most of the sequels that that came before it because initially uh Mustafa Akkad, you know, was was famous for no, not too much gore. We're not one of these Friday the 13th movies. Not too much That's gore. Right. That's but right, dude, yeah. Halloween 6, he he's it's been famous. Well, it was out of his hands. It was the Weinsteins, man. It it, it was that whole struggle between producer, producer, studio, producer. Yeah. And that's why the, the cut we got was the theatrical and you know, later on us as fans, we know we have the producer's cut, which is still an incomplete vision of that movie, yeah. which removes that kill. It feels like they didn't really know how to kill her off anyway. Yeah. Um, but they, no, they shouldn't have that. That's 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 it's a legacy character. It showed disrespect either way, but I'm not going to lie. You're totally fucking right by having that kill on your list because that kill rules. As a kid, I was definitely there along with you. I think for me, when I was younger, that movie was probably my number two as a Halloween movie. Sure. You know, so what's your next one? Ooh, well, this one brought many laughs into the theater. Oscar Halloween 2018 weapon of choice. Yes, again, a butcher knife. And this time also a raw iron fence. I remember being in the theater for this opening weekend. And this scene brought so many laughs from the audience. This Oscar kid is clearly fucking hammered. We see him drinking at the Halloween dance. And he strikes out, majorly strikes out with Allison on his last ditch attempt at, I mean, let's face it, just look at the kid and I'm not being that judgmental. He wasn't going to get laid anywhere that night. <laughs> anywhere, no matter what. Maybe he had $200 in his pocket. 
maybe then, but, um, and he drunkenly encounters the shape in the backyard. He thinks he's talking to Mr. Elrod, which was a very nice, obvious homage to Halloween too. Um, but it's not, it's the shape. Now I have a question for you, Jeremy. Did you see it the same way that I did that the devil costume might possibly be a nod to Sam from Halloween five or am I digging too deep there? Cause there's tons of nods to the other movies in this. Movie. There is, there's even uh there's even a vehicle. Uh, it's like Christ resurrection or something is a vehicle that's at the gas station, which is like, okay, the word resurrection is on it. It's, you know, obviously it's a, it's a little homage and there there's homages all throughout this thing. Um, it's possible, man. I, I haven't seen anybody from the film speak on that one particularly, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely possible. I just love how Michael stares at him. Slashes a few times, stalks, and then fucking impales him on this gorgeous gothic Oh, fence. dude. So brutal. Giving, yeah, it's giving one of the most memorable visuals of the movie. And you don't actually see him, like, physically, like, because you see the image of this Oscar kid up, like, hung on this fence. You're like, huh? How did they? How did, how did he? How did he do that? <laughs> but still, when Allison walks up after him shrieking, I mean, she. You think she feels bad now for turning him down? Maybe she could have just like pecked him and been like, "Go home, Allison." I'm all chubbed out. I've been drinking, and these girls were feeding me guacamole in all these sexy kind of ways. <laughs> Dude, man. Uh, so I, I, I had to throw some love for that kill on here just because it's something we, you know, it, it it's an implied kill. The gore is not right in your face per se. Um, but the imagery, it's so Halloween. It's so Gothic. It's like, you see the mist in the background. It's in Mr. Elrod's backyard. And he's just like hanging on that fence. So that is my number eight. I love on it to you, Jeremy, for your number eight. So one of mine is, so number eight for me is going to be Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers, right? Because they had to let audiences know Michael Myers is back in this bitch. Cause in part three, there was a lack of Michael Myers and people were upset about that because you can't call something Halloween three that followed two movies with Michael Myers and not have Michael Myers. So in the very beginning of this movie, they're transporting him, right? Dude, when he pops up and he shoves his thumb in the dude's forehead, it's all, they accomplished that whole thing literally with just like angles and lights. But Michael Myers jams his fucking thumb like literally into this guy's head. And, and I just remember watching that as a kid like, Jesus Christ, Michael Myers is fucking like so powerful and inhuman that now he's like able to just shove his fucking thumb through this guy's skull. I love it, dude. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And that's not the only time in Halloween four that he shoves his fingers in people's faces. Um, yeah. And one of those might actually be showing up on one of my lists. There, there you go. So, so Michael Myers was just a strong son of a bitch in part four. And, uh, dude, thumb in the forehead. It just, it gets me every time, man. I, I love it's so simple and it's effective. And I just, I think it's great. It also sets the tone and sets the bar for an audience when you see that scene. Because it's right in the beginning. You know exactly what kind of movie you're in for. You're like, oh shit, it just hit the fan. And if that's what's going to happen, if they're going to give us that in the first 10, 15 minutes, then what are they going to give us in the rest of the movie? And I love hearing stories 
uh, from John Carl Beekler, God rest his soul. He was fucking amazing man behind that horror guy. movies. Such a legend. Um, the fact that all that was was a retractable thumb and a fake hand that they were using for that kill, and it's so effective. It's still so good. It. it, dude. It's it's so good. And one of the the famous Beekler stories on that one is that like like I mentioned earlier, is Mustafa was all always known for wanting them to to go you know, cut back on the gore, but he said that there were several scenes in this one that he was like, more blood, more blood, which I I think is, I think is fantastic, man. It's just a shame, man. I wish I never, I never got to meet John. Uh, I wish I did. You, you met him. Oh, dude, do you you know about my, my, my John Carl Beekler foot thing? You might as well tell our audience quickly here because we're going to take a promo break here. In a few oh, minutes, so dude. Okay. Just tell them. Just tell them. Just I'm, tell them. I'm, I'm telling them. I'm telling them. But, but you do know what I'm talking about, right? Please don't. I, I, think, I, I think I remember you telling okay. me this one time. Okay. Yeah. So John Carl Beekler, I love that guy. Uh, he, he was amazing. When he would attend conventions, I guess he, he would get to a point where he'd be like, man, fuck shoes. And <laughs> fuck right? socks. Fuck socks, oh. too. Get these motherfuckers out of here. So he would okay. sit at his table barefooted right and i was at mad monster um several years ago and it was it was the convention that kane hodder did his part seven jake uh jason makeup for the first time ever so i was there and beekler was the one that actually applied the makeup on him but so i'm getting beekler to sign a halloween item and i look down and i just see the strangest looking foot so i'm not not trying to talk ill of the dead because the guy is a fucking legend and i love him but his feet were fucking weird looking like so much so that I was like, Oh my God. Like they were pointing in different directions than one another. And I took my phone out and I was like, I got to take a picture of his fucking foot. So I literally, I took a picture of John Carl Beekler's foot. Tell me, I still have it right now. I have it. I still have the picture. Fuck yeah. I have it. I have it. And like, dude, my buddy, uh, Chris Pratter, me and him go back and forth because he happened to see John's foot at a convention as well. And was like, dude, what the fuck, man? It's like straight. The, it's like straight. The hills have eyes, feet, man. So <laughs> every now and then, like I will randomly just message my buddy Chris the picture of John Carl Beekler's foot out of nowhere, and it's never not funny. Never not not funny. So, dude, I'm I'll send it to you, man. It, it won't be hard for me to see it. I'd love to see it. I'm sure our audience now almost feels like they need to see it because if they message that- me. I will message you back with a picture of John Carl Beekler's fucking mutant foot. It sucks. He uh, lost his life to cancer. That's something that we're very passionate about here on the Epic Film Guys and every brand, every version of this show we always have. Livestream for the cure. And I actually even donated to his cancer uh, Kickstarter or whatever GoFundMe that he had. And of course, unfortunately, he still became to that cancer. Yeah. So God rest his soul. We, you know, obviously holding you up very high here with all of your work, especially in the Halloween movies, because you did a lot on the later sequels. So I'm going to move on right now to my number seven, Jeremy. We're getting down there almost to the top five. Deborah Strode, Halloween six, the curse of Michael Myers, Ooh. weapon of choice an axe. A simple yet extremely effective portrayal of classic stalk and slash. Deborah clearly realizes Michael is in the house shortly after Loomis visits to warn her. This rage is evil. It's like, you know. <laughs> I love it. I, Pleasance is really hamming it up, man. He's really mugging the camera. It his last performance. So again, rest in peace. A oh. legend to him, too. She runs outside to try to escape. 
we get not yet a throwback to the original film with the sheets just blowing in the wind, but an amazing visual that helps build suspense until she finally meets her fate by axe. Jeremy, sometimes you don't need to see everything. And this is the case here. When you finally do see Michael, he appears, swings the axe with the strongest might of a giant. And we get the most red of red blood splattered across the white sheet. That's it. Perfect. We don't see a head get chopped off. We don't see any dismemberment. We don't see anything like that. Um, But as about as mean spirit as a kill as they come. And for me, one of the most pure from this entry, because we know this kill was entered into the theatrical cut. Um, I know a lot of fans love the producers cut. I don't know your opinion on it. For me, I keep trying to go back to it and it just, for something, it it doesn't really gel for me that much. I think I prefer the theatrical. I I grew up with a theatrical. It feels more natural for me to watch that version. I have seen the producers cut a few times and each time I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't love it. I don't, it's, it's something that I don't love, but what I do love is that in, in the scene that you were just talking about, Michael Myers with the ax, that's something that we don't get very often in this franchise is Myers with an ax. We've gotten it a few times. That's, that's correct. That's but, correct. but just that, that camera shot, that's the most famous image from that entire film is Myers with the ax and that, that, you know, the camera shot pointed up at him as he has the ax up in the air. Like so many times when, you know, promoting that movie, whether it be in a magazine or a best of list, it's almost always that image because it's just so clear. It's so beautiful. And it's, it's terrifying Myers holding the ax. So I think that's, I think that's a, that's a great one that you picked. Yeah. And it's also a kill that's hinted at earlier on in the movie when the ax is just like tossed on the front porch. Yep. So you're like, Oh, you know where we're going there. So 100%, but Jeremy, we're on to your number seven, dude. So my number seven is going to mirror one of your previous ones. Stabbing nurse. Oh shit. Stabbing nurse Daniels, Octavia Spencer from Rob Zombie's Halloween two. That is my number seven, man. It, it was such a brutal and animalistic kill. If you will. I mean, Myers has had so much rage in that scene so much so that, you know, usually Myers is, is a silent killer, right? He kills very silently, you know, in that scene in particular, he was rah, rah, every single time he he slammed the knife down. He, I forgot that he roars like a beast. Yeah, in that scene, dude, he? he he does, man. He screams. Rah, he's every like the shark single from time. fucking Jaws: The Revenge, man. He's like <laughs> he's roaring like a lion. That, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that was so satisfying for me as a kid when the fucking when when the shark roared and and Jaws for him. Like finally. It was about time he fucking made some noise, but, but <laughs> I guess that's not how sharks work. But, uh, <laughs> dude, yeah, I, I loved the scene in Rob Zombie's Halloween where he kills Octavia Spencer's Nurse Daniels, man. I just, I remember being in theaters and when that kill happened, looking at my friend and I went, Jesus Christ. Like, we had never seen an angry, angry kill from Myers like that in any of the films that came before it. Um, So I, I, I love that one. I, I love... I actually, people are like, oh, fuck Rob Zombie's Halloween too. The, the white horse, dude, I, I can live without the white horse. I'm not, I'm not here to defend the white horse, but I, I really, really enjoy that movie because that was the movie that the Rob Zombie really wanted to make, uh, because he, he wasn't held to any like, well, you got to have this, you got to have this because it's a remake of the original Halloween. This one, he was free to do whatever he wanted and 
boy, did he. Boy, yeah. did he. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, I the, mean, the kills in that are brutal as fuck, man. We both know that his original vision for his original Halloween, like his actual remake, were very, very great. Like They're fantastic uh, in terms of concept. He wasn't allowed to do that because of the Weinsteins and all of the provisions and requirements. And like you said, got to have this, got to have that. So he's, you know, filmmakers aren't always to blame for everything. No. Not everything. Not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... Oh, man, fantastic. So we're finally crossing over with one there. Um, and I'm moving on to my last before we go to a break here and we get to yours. My number six. Marge Gutman. Halloween three season of the witch weapon of choice, a silver shamrock medallion computer chip. That is some kind of fucking laser or something. Uh, Marge was actually portrayed by Tom Atkins, real wife at the time. My favorite part though, of this kill is that Marge is just purely an innocent bystander, like the most innocent of innocent. She's just chilling, reading a book, listening to some classical music. What could go wrong? Right. Um, kills in this movie definitely do not discriminate. And the end result of this laser frying her fucking face is literally one of the most nightmare inducing images in the entire movie with her face split open, red bulbous eyes and bugs just crawling out of her fucking orifices all over the place. But Jeremy, the best, the best thing about this all, it all happens when Dr. Chalice is getting laid and the, the, the line is, you know, spoken. What was that? And he goes, who cares? As he, I'm sure penetrates deeper. Dude, your neighbor's dead. She's fucking fried. So, Dude, proper proper character. Dr. Chalice is just literally one of the best characters in fucking movie history here. He was but. fun. Fun fact for you is that he was actually so Rob Zombie's. It wasn't. Well, it was a sequel to Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 was greenlit. Right. So it was Halloween 3D. 3D. That's right. Wasn't yep. it Todd Farmer? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was it was greenlit. They literally were weeks away from shooting. They had cast the thing, everything. So Dr. Chalice was going to be in a proper Halloween 3 with... No fucking way. Yeah, with, with Michael... I have the script. I, I never heard that. Yeah. I never heard no, that. I, I, have, oh I have the script. So um, in the script, I, I won't go too in-depth on it, but uh, Laurie Strode ends up in a mental institution and Dr. Chalice works at the mental institution and Michael, of course, breaks in because he's, he's after his sister... So that was going to cross over, man. Tom Atkins was going to be in a proper Halloween three with Michael Myers. Uh, but well, we, well, we know we know Farmer has a hard on for Atkins. He had him in the My Bloody Valentine remake. Yeah, he brought him in for that trick movie, which is great though. That would have been amazing, dude. Yeah, Holy shit. yeah, uh, dude, but, dude, good pull, man. I I love I love that scene, and it's it's disgusting. That one almost made it on my list. So spoiler, that one's not on my list, but it it, it almost did. That that's a gross one, man. Good pull. Bro, I love Halloween 3. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, so I had to show some love there. And it is one of the most bizarre, strange kills in the movie. But we are on to your number six, the last entry before we take a break and get into our top five. So, Jeremy, I'm so excited. I'm so intrigued, dude. What do you have at your number six? Number six is John Strode from Halloween 6. So you just covered his wife getting murdered in the film. And now I'm I'm on to the husband, man, that... John Strode, uh, played by Bradford English, is such a fucking asshole, man. Like, his his character literally existed in that script and that film just so you fucking hated him. 
So by the time that it, you know, came time for him to be meat for, for Michael Myers to slaughter, like, Jesus, dude, does he ever. Like, that was such a brutal fucking kill, man. Such a brutal kill. Uh, you know, Michael Myers lifts him up in the air and slams him against an electrical panel, and he starts getting electrocuted. I mean, like, and it's like, it's one of those, that should have, normally, that would have probably been like a like a shorter kill, right? Not in this movie, not in Halloween 6, baby, not in The Curse of Michael Myers. Dude, it was like one of those, like, family guy scenes where it almost goes on a little bit too long to where you're like, holy way shit. Way too long. Yeah, you're like, like... Hey, we're, we're benefiting, though, I think, in this case. Oh, for sure, man. Like, and I love the fact that it goes on for so long that it literally cuts to a shot of the outside of the house. As he's being electrocuted, you just see the lights, see like... the lights blinking? Like, like, strobe lights inside the house. And yeah. then it's like, no, he's, he's still in there getting electrocuted. And then it cuts back to him still being electrocuted. He's got... Now he's got foam coming out of his mouth. I mean, they really... They really wanted to give that payoff that, you know, they knew us as the audience was going to hate this character. So they're like, here you go. We're going to fucking give you the longest kill scene ever with him. He's got foam coming out of his mouth. Dude, (laughs) the best part is he's electrocuted for so long, his head literally fucking explodes. And it looks like chunks of fucking Oscar Mayer wieners. And like like watermelon. All over the fucking place. Yeah, dude. It. I just, I, I, I loved it that that motherfucker got his comeuppance and... I thought it was just such a great kill and, and a great, great fucking movie. Fantastic. Honestly, yeah, another one that I thought about putting on my list. See how hard this was, ladies and gentlemen? It was fucking hard. Amazing kill. Definitely one of the most impressive of the entire franchise, but did not make my list. But that is our 10 to 6. We're going to take a quick promo break, and when we come back, our top five kills of the Halloween franchise. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Louie. And I'm Dave. Do you love Halloween? Do you like hearing about it year-round? Then check out our Haunted Hangover podcast, available on all streaming platforms. We cover everything from nostalgic memories to your favorite Halloween specials. Hey Dave, what's the best cure for a hangover? More booze. Dig through the ditches and burn through the witches. We're back from commercial break. Brain stew. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Jesus Welcome Christ. back to the Brain Stew podcast, where we are doing our top 10 favorite kills from the Halloween franchise. Justin, we're on number five. We're down to five, buddy. Down to our top five. Yeah, and I'm going to hop right in here with my number five. These last five, the top five, were the hardest to come up with. And I know there's going to be fans out there, Jeremy, that are like, this should be above that. This should be below that. How dare you even include that? But hey, personal preference. Yep. It's a lot of kills. But for me, I got to put this one in here. It's from the original, the OG, Linda, Halloween 78. Weapon of choice, a telephone cord. Yeah. Back when those still existed. (laughs) And a strangulation death. This death, Jeremy, followed what is one of the best scenes and one of the most defining for the character of the shape in the entire series. It's an aspect of the character that I think typically gets lost so much throughout all of the other films his playful side. Linda wants to just get the party started, man. She and Bob did the deed and she's waiting for her beer. Michael takes Bob's glasses off after literally making him a human wall ornament down in the kitchen. 
throws a sheet on, begins to taunt Linda as a Bob ghost. And I just love that playful side shown here where it really sets Michael apart from his horror brethren. You had never seen like a horror icon, not that horror icons were a thing in 1978, really, minus, you know, maybe Norman Bates, but you know what I mean? We never saw a horror character playing with his prey like that. No. You know, and in this scene, all Linda wants to do is like, yo, where's my beer? And see anything you like. Like, <laughs> and of course, she's like, oh, OK, fine. I'm fucking done with you. I'm going to go make a phone call. I don't I, I've never really understood what else she wants to do here. There's beer there. She got laid like this is going nowhere. Like, well, it kind of went everywhere, but OK. All right. And, you know, and then so she makes a phone call. Michael slowly stumbles behind her, viciously strangles her while he's wearing the sheet. She eventually pulls it over his head while she's on the phone with Lori. And nothing beats that image, Jeremy, of Michael picking up the phone after he strangles her to death and just listening to Lori on the other end. It is literally like the image that most mask makers in today that make their own versions of the mask, they look at that image as a reference for that. So for me, this scene is so iconic. The death itself is slightly silly, but also brutal. Um, it, it's Perfect. just one of the best. One of the Perfect. best. So my number five there. And so I got to throw it to you for your number five. Well, before before we get to that, I, I just to just to talk about about your death scene like that's that's such a great one. And like, you know, you mentioned uh, Michael's playful side. You know, we, we don't see that very much in any of the other films. So I will give Halloween 2018 some credit is that. Michael played with his victims in uh, in Halloween 2018. Um, you know, he covered the uh, the check with the with the sheet and and things like that. I mean, so you're absolutely right. It was just such a that's such a fascinating scene, and you know that that, that whole movie is just fucking eye candy to begin with. And oh, perfect man, perfect. Uh, so my number five is damn it, Janet, is Janet in Halloween two. Uh, you get the uh, hypodermic needle into the temple. Like, holy shit, man. You know, for, for Halloween 2, Friday the 13th had already come out, right? So there was, and it was insanely successful. And for whatever reason, even though Halloween was the film that was the pioneer that essentially started the slasher phenomenon, they followed suit with some of the tropes that were created in, in the Friday the 13th series. So uh, they certainly made this scene particularly brutal. Close-up shot on the, the hypodermic needle going into to Janet's temple. Fuck, man. It, uh, it makes me squirm in my seat every single time I watch it, man. So yeah, and, and, and with Alan Howarth's version of the score. Yes. How, how, how it's so loud in that sense. Like, it's like the way that he ramps up those synths because the entire score into is pretty much all synths. There's like barely any piano of any piano involved there when he just like puts it full force in that scene. It's, it's so crazy. It's like pure brutality. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny that before we started recording, we started talking about Giallo films and dude, that, that scene straight up 
as far as the close-up shot on the needle oh, going. Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely influenced, right? It's straight up a Giallo shot, man. I fucking, it, it doesn't get more brutal and, and, and gross out than that. So that, that's my number five. I love that kill. I think it's fantastic. Moving on. Yeah, but I did want to say, though, it's funny you mentioned that kill because that's the kill because Tommy Lee Wallace, you know, the production designer and the editor on the first movie was offered this movie to direct Halloween 2. And when he read that scene in the script, he turned it down solely based on that. So obviously they chose Rick Rosenthal and we got the movie we got, which I love. I love Halloween 2. So things happen for a reason. But moving on to my number four. One of my favorites of the entire series, Earl Ford, Halloween 4, Weapon of Choice, Michael's Bear, Motherfucking Hands. Boom. Owner owner of the Oasis Bar, Earl is the one that literally created the lynch mob in that movie to go out and try to hunt down Michael Myers. I'm going to get that boy, that son of a bitch. Uh, as you can see, that doesn't really get him that far. Uh, this was always one of those huge holy shit moments for me as a kid. You know, Rachel and Jamie's reactions are pure gold and a kill that was one of those ones we talked about earlier, Jeremy, uh, that was added in after the initial test screenings showed that while fans really liked the movie itself, they wanted Michael to create way more murderous mayhem than what they saw on the screen. So John Carl Beekler did the effects for this one, and it's one of the most simple yet fucking brutal of the entire franchise. I mean, Michael legit tears this dude his face and head off from the throat with one hand. Like you said in the beginning here with in your, your one of your top uh, six to 10 picks with the opening thumb kill, we see the level of strength Michael portrays here. And this just goes full force right at the end. So it's a great payoff. And this was one of those times, like you said, where Mustafa Akkad was screaming more blood, more blood, <laughs> you know, on the set. And it's always one of those Interviews I love hearing from John Carl Beekler when he talks about being on the set. So uh, payback for killing poor Ted Hollister. That motherfucker wasn't no Michael Myers, man. One always wonders. So for me, number four is the kill from Halloween four. Earl Ford. Perfect. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to do another Halloween two pick, man. So, yeah, I, I, I can't not do another Halloween two pick. So, uh, my my pick uh, was Nurse Karen in Halloween 2, played by Pamela Susan Shoup. Uh, the infamous nude hot tub scene, right? So when they filmed that scene, she's talked about it at length. She said, you know, you know, John Carpenter tried saying, you know, yeah, you know, we cleared the room out. It was literally just me and her and, like, one other person. And she says, that's a fucking lie. Everybody and anyone that worked on that movie was there for that scene because she was like straight up naked in that scene. So she said that all the dudes showed up and were like, yep, we're just here to help. <laughs> and she said, everybody just stood around and watched. But dude, that was, that was the scene where, you know, she was a really bad nurse, man. She's, she was in charge of, of watching all the babies in the nursery. And what does she do? She sneaks off with fucking, fucking bud, man. And that's after showing up late, dude, after going to a party too. You know what I mean? Then trying to ditch her friend when she promised her friend a ride home. Yep. She was not, she was not a good person, man. So she's supposed to be watching the babies. And instead she sneaks down to like some place that I guess that they give like baths to people in the hospital, but like can like super turn the, the heat 
and the temperature up. No, man, no. It's it's you know when you have like injuries and shit, like like how baseball players is that what that is like that when when they hurt their arm or whatever, like you know you go in the hot tub or whatever. Is that what that is? That that's what that, that's what it looks like to me. I don't know. I was like, man, maybe this fucking hotel had a fucking eighties hot tub. I don't. Uh, I don't. That's 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 where you go down to the hospital to get fucked, bro. <laughs> that I mean, that's good old Bud, man. That's what he was he was trying to get trying to get down and dirty, and so like, dude. The, Again, my actually my Michael was Michael was pretty playful in this scene, man. He shows up behind her and is like rubbing her shoulder and like, dude, there's there's the scene where like she thinks it's Bud's hand, so she like starts like sucking <laughs> on his finger. That dirty ass hand, it's so disgusting. <laughs> She's sucking on Michael Myers' dirty fucking hand. Dude, every single time that I watch that scene, even now, I'm like, I almost just want to fucking spit. Cause I'm like, dude, you can see how disgusting his hand is, man. Like he's been he's had he's had a long Halloween night. Th- think of how long it's been since he's taken a bath. Also, is it possible that he took a shit in that bush in front of the Myers house and didn't wipe very well? And there's some feces, some fecal matter on that. Hand? It's it's very. I mean, dude, that motherfucker was eating dogs. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's he's out there just fucking killing people, eating dogs. Next thing you know, she's like sucking on his fucking nasty fucking fingers. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, it's this is such a another you know you you mentioned earlier a mean spirited kill. This this kill was definitely mean spirited to where you know Michael turns up the heat on the uh, the hot tub or sports injury tub or whatever the fuck it is rehabilitation tub rehabilitation tub uh, to an extreme amount and it's it's essentially boiling water at this point and he's taking the back of of nurse karen's head and just shoving her head underwater and he's drag he's drowning her but then he lets her back up long enough to scream because he wants to hear her scream and then bam her head goes back underwater and he does this several times and every time he pulls her head out from the water like her face is more and more boiled and just fucking shredded so it's just such a brutal kill and it just you know, I'm going to use your your expression, a mean-spirited kill. Because, you know, Michael Myers, he can get it done as quickly as he wants. This one, he he wanted to hear her scream. Oh, he takes his time. He definitely takes and his he time just, on this one. He boils her freaking face to where she looks more like Freddy Krueger than anything, man. So, I love that kill. I I, I love it. it. It brings me great joy. Now, I have a real quick question to ask you before we move forward to my yes. number three. You actually got to spend some time with Dick Warlock. I'm not going to say where, how, or whatever. I did. Um, but did, but did you actually ask him about that at all? Or was that something that came up when you guys were hanging out? You know, what's funny is, yeah, I had, I had lunch with Dick Warlock last year. I'll, I will say that, um, which was a, an incredible experience. You know, what's funny is we didn't, you would think that Halloween would have been like all we talked about, but I mean, dude, he, he's been in so many amazing movies that, you know, and he's done so many interviews for Halloween that instead, dude, we talked about The Abyss with James Cameron. Um, he did some work on that. We talked about uh, Commando. He was one of the uh, the cops in the mall in Commando. Like, we, I mean, we talked about a lot of things, but we didn't really talk about Halloween, too, which is, which is surprising. I mean, I, I know what I would have asked him about, and it wouldn't have been Halloween related. It would have been Jaws. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he, yeah, he talked about Jaws as well. Um he said that uh, that James Cameron. I, I will tell a quick story. Uh, he said that James Cameron, when they were making The Abyss, that there was a very, very dangerous stunt, and and Dick was also like a like one of the stunt coordinators on the movie. 
And I guess he had said, you know, I don't think this is a great idea. And James was like, no, we're doing it. And he said it, it almost went sideways. It almost ended up really, really bad. And that immediately after the scene that uh, pretty much he, he gave James Cameron a piece of his mind and was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm never, I'm never working with this guy again. So wow. it was, it was, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was a, uh, it was, it was an amazing experience uh, getting to have lunch with, with him and his wife and, and hear all their stories. It was funny because when we were sitting there, well, I got to the, to the, to the restaurant first, but like the window is right next to me. Right. So like I literally, as I'm sitting there like anxious, like, dude, I'm having lunch with Michael Myers today. Uh, I see his car pull up. I see him get out and he, he immediately like sees me in the restaurant. Dude, my license plate is M Myers. Okay. And I have Michael Myers decals on my car. And he literally, as he's outside of the restaurant, he points to my... Is he, is he laughing? Dude, he's or? laughing his head off, and he's pointing at my car, and he's giving me the thumbs up, like, yeah! And I was like, dude, this is this is surreal, man. This is this is amazing. See, I was, it, was, it was a great time, and man, I, I love Dick Warlock's portrayal of Michael Myers, man. I do, too. I, it, gets, it gets some hate here and there. I mean, even Deborah Hill herself... Uh, you know, ragged on him, you know, like way, way later, like she was a, a producer on the movie. She was on set every day. And for some reason, you know, we've heard so many stories about her, uh, you know, talking shit about his version of the shape. I think he's fantastic. I love Halloween, too. But moving along here to my number three, we're in top three level, baby. Woo! And I don't think many people are going to expect this one. Andrea Wagner Halloween 2018 weapon of choice yet again a butcher knife of course but this Jeremy was the moment for me in the theater where I wanted to stand up and cheer grotesque macabre yeah I know this lady is just feeling the Halloween spirit handing out candy to trick-or-treaters and waiting for her daughter to get back from that Halloween dance we saw in the movie she's even on a phone call about the murders being very concerned and James Jude Courtney's the shape slowly stalks her through the window. He's playing with his prey. Michael moves into the house, comes up behind her, viciously grabs her by the hair, smashes her head on the couch before stabbing her in the throat from behind. He did that kill doggy style. (laughs) one of the most effective kills of the entire movie. And even though the kill is half CG, half practical, it's one of those moments where it feels like a real classic slasher. And it's also extremely mean spirited because he didn't have to stop there. He's just moving along in his parade of murder. And I love this scene so, so much. This was the moment where I said they get it they understand what they're making here. Yeah. So dude, it's such, such, such a good one, man. I I love when he walks up to her house and you you see his reflection in her window. Oh man, dude, it's so good, man. It's so good. It's so good. It's gold. And that dude, that, that scene brings up a lot of like questions of, you know, cause there was a baby in that scene. And they, 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 yeah, they did want to make you think they made it. They made you wonder, is it possible that, you know, they put a child in danger. Yeah. Which is the whole point of that, you know, show the baby, 
Is he going to hurt the baby? Obviously, that would be in terrible taste, and I don't think they would go that far. But just the fact that they went close enough to it uh, for the audience, I definitely remember hearing like uh, some of the female audience gasping yeah. as he went towards the baby. So very effective. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, my next one, my number three is Buddy from Halloween 3. Right? Number three, Halloween 3. Oh, yes! I was so excited. I'm so excited. I, I, I was hoping that you would bring this one up. Dude, yes. I, I love this scene. I mean, dude, a pumpkin mask melting on this kid's face, decaying his face, right? There's bugs and insects and snakes that are just seeping out of his melting face. Holy crap, man. What a What a kill. You know, I'm glad that Halloween 3 is is having a renaissance, right? Like, people are appreciating this movie now. Uh, when when they when you go to the conventions now, people are rocking Halloween 3 shirts. You know, there's tons of Halloween 3 merch that are coming out these days in the form of Mondo posters and, and, and other things and apparel. You know, people are now coming up to Tommy Lee Wallace going, you know, thank you so much. So many people herald Halloween 3 as their favorite Halloween movie. Which I think is, it's it's cool. It's not my favorite Halloween movie, but I still love it. And I appreciate it now. Like I said earlier, I was confused when it came out. You know, or when I, when it, I came around to, to, to renting it, that is. I was confused. And I remember, dude, I remember reading the back of that VHS box. Like, well, hold on, man. There's no way they didn't have Michael Myers Well, see, Myers I remember, dude. I, I remember I came to it much later. And I had friends that would say, no, don't rent that one. Michael Myers isn't in it. And they would totally just tell me not even to watch yep. it. Yep. They would like push me aside when I would try to like, no, I was interested. I was like, well, what is this thing? You know, yeah. but yeah, I, I love it. And I, I love that kill. So <laughs> I've got a little, little funny story for you. I, I won't be too long winded on it, but uh, I, when I was at age 40, the actor that played buddy is now a grown man who, dude, if you've watched some of the, the documentaries on Halloween, he's the one that's like, why do people want to see this? I don't understand. Like, he doesn't even understand. Isn't he, like, super religious or something? Dude, yeah, or... which 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 actually plays into the story that I'm about to tell. So he he he's done interviews where he's, like, he just proclaims, like, I don't understand these movies. Only sick people want to see murders and fucked up shit in movies. Ew. And, like, he, he just, he doesn't get it. And that's fine. I mean, you're a part of it. You know, you were in this movie. You know, uh, your, your character met a, a grisly demise, but dude, so I'm at, he, he did age 40, which was really surprising because, you know, again, it's just something that, you know, he, he doesn't really look back fondly on maybe, it. Maybe, maybe his church group needs some donations or something. Dude, I don't, know. I don't know. But so, so, so me and my buddy, we walked up to his table and his wife was with him and he also had it. Like, I, I think I remember a kid being with him as well. And my buddy, like, dropped his paint pen on the ground. Like, it, the cap was still on it and everything. But he went, ah, oh, fuck. And, dude, I happened to, like, be looking at uh, the actor that played Buddy's wife. And she looked over at him so mad that my buddy said, fuck. And he literally gave her the hand motion, like, but <laughs> and then my buddy, when he picked the pin up, he was like, oh, my bad. This fucking pin, man. This is like the third time I've dropped it today. And he's, he said fucking again. And I looked over at the wife and she just oh, 
shook man. her head. And when, it wasn't until we walked away that I was like, dude, you just said fuck twice in front of them. And like, like they're so religious and like, we're so offended by you. But it was, dude, something that I'll, I'll certainly never forget. But dude, I, I absolutely, I love Buddy's death scene in Halloween 3. It had to make my list. Iconic. I wish I could have had this on mine. Definitely on the long list of honorable mentions, which may be showing up here after this, but I'm moving on to my number two, but we finally crossed over yet again. This time on my list, this is one of my favorite kills from the entire series. Every single time I see it, my blood boils. I get goosebumps. It's Nurse Karen from Halloween 2. And of course, as Jeremy said, weapon of choice. Is it a hot tub? Is it a sports bath weird rehabilitator rejuvenation center rejuvenation center thing i don't know as michael violently plunges her head into 200 degree temperature water um this of course follows bud's death his strangulation which is always slightly hilarious to me the way he like (laughs) he's like a puppet the way that dick warlock kind of holds on to him and moves him around you know um but yeah, it is mean-spirited. It's crazy. It's one of the most visually violent in terms of the effects. We see the her face just peeling right off. Um, it's grotesque. I love it. It's gruesome. I love it's, it. It's, 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 it. It's one of the best things that Dick Warlock did is the shape in the entire series. It perfectly and effortlessly portrays pure evil in a scene, what I would consider one of the most impressive. So there it is. That's my number two. So we're down to our top two. Jeremy, what do you got for your number two, man? Down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. This, We're in the shit. We are in the shit. End of the shit. So, uh, I think this one's going to surprise people, but I love it. And, and I, I feel like this one doesn't get talked about enough, but I, it's so effective. It's so absolutely effective. Wesley Rhodes, the bully in Rob Zombie's Halloween, from the the part of the film when with young Michael. Bro, left field. You just came out of left field with yeah. that one. Did not yeah. expect that one at all. It is holy shit, man. Such a horrific and brutal and hopeless kill. So Wesley Rhodes is is the one that was was bullying young Michael Myers. Oh, if if I give your mom a dollar, can I suck on her tits and saying all the like the gross nasty things that that he's saying to young Michael Myers. I mean, he's literally he torments Michael Myers. I mean, and this this kid, I mean, even though none of the characters in Rob in any of Rob Zombie's films are likable, he's specifically so unlikable where I mean, there's a scene of him walking and he pulls a kid's hat off of the kid's head and spits in it and then puts the hat, (laughs) puts the hat back on the kid's head. Like, dude, he's just such a dick. This character. I mean, that shit happens, though. I mean, that shit happens. Sure. This this kid's such a thing, such a dick. And uh, Wesley Rhodes is portrayed by Daryl Sabara, which you may recognize from the Spy Kids movies. Did you ever connect those dots? Did you know that? Dude, Robert Rodriguez's no. Spy Kids movies, he was the little redheaded boy that was the star of the of those movies. Is he the shark boy or whatever? Yeah, or yeah, whatever his character, whatever. Lava Boy, I don't I don't I don't know. Lava Boy, there it is. That's what it is. Shark Boy, Lava Girl, I don't fucking know, man. Um I don't I don't, Lava Kid or some shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I don't know. I, I I've never seen those movies, but I know that my little brother was obsessed with them. But yeah, he he uh he's a child actor and 
got his start in, in the Spy Kids movies, but you know he's he's older here and he's just such a dick. And dude, when he finally gets, I I would say what he deserves, but I, I even though he's a bully and he's a dick, I don't know, man. This this scene is so horrific. Like I mean, it this is another one that just it takes its time, and the score yeah, lingers for a while. The score yeah. is just so dark and. Uh, Tyler Bates did the score for it. And I mean, you literally, you feel that this, there is no hope for this kid. And you watch him slowly and brutally get murdered by a, a young Michael Myers. And they really play into to the Michael Myers mask thing, right? They, they show this in Rob Zombie's Halloween that he has to have the mask on to do the kills. Like there's the part where he lifts the mask up for a minute and he stops but then he puts the mask down and continues the murder. So you realize that the mask is a part of Michael Myers. But I mean, he's got this this tree branch and he's just beating this kid to death. Like, and there there's such a progress and progression as far as his of this this character dying that you know you're he's bloody. Next thing you know, he's got blood vessels that are popped in his eyes. Next thing you know, his teeth are broken. I mean, dude, Rob Zombie literally was like. I want to fuck this kid up so bad that everybody in the audience just has to look away. Cause that's, do you, do you think I have to ask you, I don't mean to cut you off. Sure. Do you think this is possibly a metaphor something that he wanted to visually interpret? Because I know his backstory. I've listened to so many interviews. I know a lot about what he dealt with as a kid and being bullied. This was just his way of kind of visually interpreting on film what he went through as a kid. Like he was that kid that wore the kiss shirt at high school and got picked on and beat up for, you know, like maybe this was just him showing what he would have loved to have done sure. to one of those kids. Sure. It was probably almost like maybe like therapy a little bit for him, a bully, you know, yeah, very cathartic getting, yeah. getting fucked up, you know, uh, cause he was, he was bullied when he was a kid. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that definitely played a hand in, and not only, you know, why he put that in the script, but he, that, that scene manifested Michael Myers into what he was. He was a shark that got a taste for blood. And once he killed, there was no going back. Um, that was, that was, you know, just such a, such a brutal kill, man. And I like, I don't think that it gets talked about enough, but I remember seeing it in theaters and people were just like, <gasps> gasping and going and people were audibly going, Oh my God, because it was just fucking brutal. But it also lets you know that Rob Zombie said, I'm not fucking around this. This is what you're getting with my movie. So, uh, yeah, man, Wesley Rhodes, death, Rob Zombie's Halloween. And I got to give you props, man, for, for reaching down deep in that bag and, and, and pulling that one out. I was not expecting that, but I agree with you. It's one of the most uncomfortable kills I've probably ever seen in a movie in the theater. And I love, you know, to, you know, piggyback off what you were saying, just to comment the way that the camera spins yeah. from his viewpoint, like as he's on the ground, you know, it's like, whoa. And I've been, I've been, I've been in fights. I've been, I've been knocked down. I know what it feels like to be on, you know, the other end of being hit. And it's like, dude, very realistic interpretation. So fantastic. And, you know, man, people are going to really appreciate seeing zombie get some love here. So we're giving it. We're giving it. But I'm on to my number one. This is it. This was such a hard decision, but I had to go with one that is for the ages that will remain and stay in the consciousness of 
cinephiles, horror fans, people that were born in the late 70s that, you know, or watched this movie in the late 70s, rather, uh, and that will continue to watch this movie for the rest of their lives. Judith Myers. Boom. Played by Sandy Johnson. Halloween, the original, the classic. 1978. Weapon of choice. It all started here, Jeremy. That butcher knife. Stabbed nine times in the chest as she's topless brushing her hair. We're led to believe that this death occurs right after Judith had sex with her boyfriend. But if that's true, that must be the quickest fucking nut in the history of not only the series, but possibly in horror history. That was like a minute, dude. She's hot. For real? Dude, maybe less than a minute. I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're probably right. But there's so many reasons why this is at the top for me. From the first frame, we have the iconic shot of the Myers house. And the definition of what stalk and slash becomes is born here in front of our eyes. With a one shot inspired by Orson Welles' Touch of Evil... Cundy's beautiful cinematography with the Panaglide married with Carpenter's eerie high synth score. I mean, this makes the perfect build up to a kill. It's not the bloodiest and definitely not the most graphic, but the impact is beyond strong. I mean, you don't even see the knife actually physically penetrating her body. It's channeling Psycho, but it sets the tone for the rest of the film, and it's by far one of the most memorable scenes not only in horror history, Jeremy, but in the history of film. And I'm smirking here by saying that because I know people are like, well, Justin overplays Halloween. But no, I don't because it is a classic. It is the one that's held up so high in that regard that very, very often it's very, very rare that anything even comes close. So Dude, iconic, I'm man. Going, iconic. I'm going, I'm going class here over gore, which I know is very unlike me, but this is the one I had to do it, man. It is the one that set the bar. So that's the one for me. Do you know whose, uh, whose hand is supposed to be Michael's hand? Do you know who, whose hand that is? It's Deborah Hill. Yeah, dude. So awesome, man. She's somebody I would, I would have loved to have met. I think, I think you and I among thousands of, maybe even millions of Halloween fans feel the same way. You know, even when I saw that you had visited her hometown of Haddonfield, New Jersey, yep. you know, after a monster mania, I did the same thing too, just to kind of commemorate and appreciate her. She is just as important to Halloween as John Carpenter and Erwin Yablons or Jamie Lee Curtis or any of the cast. You know, she had a huge hand in the dialogue. Pun, and the pun intended. The dialogue for the girls. Yeah. But even so it's amazing, dude. So that's, that's my number one. I love it. I love it. Perfect. For for a second, when, when you were leading into your number one, I was like, fuck. Or not fuck, but yeah, like, fuck. We have the same one. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't what I thought you were going to pick. Mine, my number one is Bob from John Carpenter's classic 1978 Halloween. Rightly so. Dude, God damn it, Bob! I I thought you were going with Bob, man. Uh, when when you when you introed into yours. Uh, so for me, my favorite kill in the entire franchise was Michael Myers killing Bob, who was played by John Michael Graham. Dude, fun fact for you. So I I met him at age forty. 
and he was amazing. He's rare, dude, because I know I saw that that he rarely does anything, right? He he works for for Disneyland or Disney World, whatever one is in Florida. I don't know if it's Disneyland or Disney World. It's Disney World, yeah. Okay, so he works for Disney World. Um, I think he's some kind of manager of the park or something like that. But you know, he doesn't take time off very often uh, because he has an important job with Disney, and so it's it's rare when he does these events. So. I got to meet him, which was a huge, huge deal for me because I fucking love, I love Halloween. It is my favorite film. So getting to meet Bob was a big deal to me. What's really cool is that he still owns the glasses that he wore. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. Dude, he let me put them on. I almost cried. I almost cried. Yo, bro, I fucking hate you. I know you do. I mean, I love you, but I hate I, you. I know. I, if I was you, I hate it's, you. It's, it's, it's okay to hate you, right? Our listeners if are I, probably going to hate you, too. If I was you, I hate me, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, dude, he, he let me put on the Bob glasses. I have a picture of me with the Bob glasses on, and I, I said, man, I said, would you ever sell these? Not that I would buy them because I don't have pockets steep enough to buy those glasses. And he goes, dude, let me tell you what. If I ever sell them, they're going to Sean Clark. Because Sean Clark reps all the Halloween people. He's their appearance agent. And he owns a ton of the props from the franchise. I guarantee his ass has been bothering him for those glasses. Oh, for sure. For years. For sure. But it's something that he's he's held on to for sentimental reasons, I'm sure, since 1978. That was back before people held on to movie props. Because props back in the day were just things. Once the show was over with, typically... Dude, they get tossed, right? Dude, uh, I mean, Tom Holland, not... Spider-Man Tom Holland, Tom Holland from, from Fright Night and Child's Play, he brought a Chucky doll, a screen-used Chucky doll home with him. And I, I've heard him talk about it in an interview. He was like, dude, nobody cared about props back then. Like, it, they were just things that were used during production. Once the production was over with, who gives a shit? One of his dogs chewed up the screen-used Chucky doll, and he was like, who fucking cares? And he threw it away. Because he didn't, you know, didn't know what movie props would become, and they didn't have any and value. that shit... And now that shit could sell to the Smithsonian for like one point two million dollars. I mean, crazy number. It, it's it's insane. So I I love Bob's death and in Halloween. I mean, just the way that Michael Myers pops out of the closet and he pins Bob to the wall. You know, levitated up in the air. So he's Bob's hanging. His feet are almost touching the ground. You see the life leave his feet, and Michael Myers stares at Bob. Like like a fucking painting, like a beautiful work of art that he had spent, you know, days working on. That's how Michael Myers looks at Bob. And there's just something so eerie about when Myers cocks his head to the side to to look at his handiwork, to look at the the slaughter that he just made happen. I, I love it, man. I just I think it's just so, so creepy. And I think it's such a famous image. Is that image right there? And, you know, in interviews where Nick Castle, you know, has, has talked about it, he, you know, people ask, well, like, you know, so what made you tilt your head? And he goes, look, he goes, literally, John Carpenter went, let's do it again. And then when you're done, you know, doing your thing, cock your head to the side. And like, like you're, yeah, it was all John. Just, yeah. just look at it. Like you're looking at a butterfly collection. Exactly. He said. Exactly. Like, Exactly. And it wasn't something that was in the script. It was just on the whim. Carpenter was like, oh, yeah, you, sh- you should cock your head to the side. 
And he, he did. It's like a dog, man. That's what it literally is an animalistic thing where a dog will kind of, yep. You know, yep. look, look around at something that it did. And oh man, I love it. Fantastic choice, man. I don't think, honestly, I'm extremely impressed with both of our lists, but the fact that we didn't cross over that many times yeah. is even that more impressive. Now I won't lie. Bob in the kitchen kill from Halloween is number one on my honorable mentions. Did you have any honorable mentions or any other kills that you wanted to mention that didn't quite make the list that you thought about that? Maybe you were like, Oh, this might be in the running, but it just didn't happen. Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, the first one that came to mind is, is as much as I love Halloween H2O, as I stated earlier, it is my favorite sequel in the entire franchise. I love it. I love it. I love it. Dude. When Michael gets decapitated at the end. I was going to do it too. I was trying to be fair here, considering that it's not a Michael kill, it, but I agree. It's it's probably one of the most powerful kills of the whole series. I, right? I love it. And I don't want to hear that bullshit of, oh, well, you know, the, the whole nonsense that, that resurrection tried to introduce is, oh, he, he switched. He put the mask on a that paramedic. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. No. Cause we don't count Halloween resurrection. I don't know that shit. for Fuck me, shit. for me, the way that I look at Halloween, Justin is the sister trilogy. One, two, H2O is the core and the heart of the franchise. For me, I feel like it's a complete story and narrative. And I, I think it's perfect. And, when I when I think of Halloween, it is those three movies. I, I look at four, five, and six and beyond as bonus fun Myers movies. I have to tell you that Halloween twenty eighteen, when it was announced that they were retconning Halloween two from the timeline in order to make Lori and Michael not siblings, I was much like many Halloween fans, I'm like, Why are you retconning Halloween two, man? It was good. If you want to ret- retcon H two O Okay, fine. I don't want you to, but fine. It makes sense. But retconning Halloween too, man, I, I feel like my personal preference is that by them retconning Halloween 2, it didn't add anything to the story for Michael and Lori not being siblings. I can agree with you, honestly, on that. I think it was just something John said. I think when they wanted to get John and Jamie involved, they were probably just like drop all that shit. It was just a creative decision, which I think... The movie could have been the same thing with being connected or not being connected. And yeah. I mean, even the parallels of Jamie's version of Laurie Strode in 2018 versus H2O, they're not that far off. Trauma is still instilled. Trauma. And, and, and perfectly portrayed in both films, slightly differently, of their time, if you will. Um, but that's a conversation all into itself, a different time. I just wanted to mention a few of my other audible mentions for Kills. Bob in the kitchen was there. Annie in the car. You can't beat that. I love uh, it. Gina being bludgeoned by the hammer from Halloween 2018 because it's a throwback to Halloween 2. And Jamie Lloyd in the farm. You said it perfectly <laughs> from Halloween 6. And then, of course, Janet stabbed in the eye with a hypodermic needle. I had plenty more, but that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That is our brain stew Top 10 kills from the Halloween franchise. I just wanted to take the time to thank each and every one of you for hanging out with us. It's spooky season. Halloween is almost upon us. We're all excited for Halloween kills. So we wanted to kick off something special for you guys to celebrate that and really get everyone pumped even more for Halloween kills. 
If you like what you're hearing, if you want to check us out on social media, literally Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we are everywhere. Come say hi. Come like, follow, share, comment, all that good stuff. And don't forget, like we said earlier on, Jeremy, what about those posters? Leave a review for the show. Uh, for every five that we get, someone's going to win a poster. That's right. So make sure to head on over to iTunes. If you dig what you're hearing, just a nice, kind comment. Like, these dudes rule. They suck. They put Halloween H2 on their list, so they're invalid. That's fine, too. <laughs> awesome. We just want to hear from you guys. But thanks again. We're in the middle, or I should say the beginning. It's the middle for me because it's already September, but we are in our prime season for what this show means to us. So I just wanted to thank you so much. And Jeremy kick ass fucking list, man. I can't, you too, I mean, man. I can't, Thanks. I can't believe this brain stew thing has taken off the way that it's taken off. And I just, I hear in the kind comments, the iTunes reviews we have gotten and the messages and stuff, keep them coming ladies and gentlemen, because that just primes us to give you guys better content. So thank you so, so fucking much. But until next time, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. And yo, keep that shit creepy. Break through!